This is Leader ReadyCast, a monthly podcast featuring real-world lessons, best practices, and action-oriented insights for the urate moments when you're called upon to lead. Leader ReadyCast is the official podcast of the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative, a joint program of the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health and the Center for Public Leadership at the Harvard John F. Kennedy School of Government. Subscribe to Leader ReadyCast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Leading requires comfort with paradox. It's essential to be able to hold two truths simultaneously. For example, that a community can be both diverse and cohesive, or that it's possible to both lower costs and improve care in a health system. For leaders, you have to be both visionary, seeing far out, and approachable, relatable, able to coach people along. Individuals can have a hard time if they rely on a simple checklist of static characteristics, because leadership is contextual. Right? Showing up appropriately and being adept at behavioral and mental dexterity is important. You don't always show up as the same person in every situation. You have different facets of yourself you reveal. That's part of being able to be dexterous. At its root, this is a matter of both and thinking rather than seeing situations as either or choices. It's seeing the full continuum of options. It requires a growth mindset and taking the expansive meta view so that you can see possibilities. My guest today is Jay Weiser. He's thought deeply about the paradoxes of leading, especially in the face of disruption and uncertainty, what he calls the five leadership superpowers. Jay is a management consultant who spent decades helping leaders and their organizations reach their full potential. I have found Jay's approach intriguing and insightful because it fully embraces the complexity of leading. Jay, welcome to Leader ReadyCast. It's great to have you here. Great to be here. Thank you, Eric. So let's start with the basics. What are the five leadership superpowers and why are they important? So, so let me start with why they're important. <clears throat> Leading in disruption and uncertainty is very challenging. Uh, you know, we've seen this before COVID, we've seen this during COVID, and we've seen this now, <clears throat> that leaders need a different set of capabilities because leaders are always being caught off guard, unprepared, unaware over and over. So that's first why they're needed. And the five leadership superpowers are really meant to help leaders navigate and thrive in the face of disruption and uncertainty. And they address five tensions. The first tension is present versus future. <clears throat> and the superpower there is present futurist because leaders need to be cognizant and very aware of what's going on in the present and at the same time be monitoring and anticipating the future, scanning the environment, looking for signals, monitoring those signals, and combining that information to help with decisions. The second tension is experience and expertise versus learning. And what happens very often is when leaders get stressed, the first thing they do is they go back to what they know, what worked before. <clears throat> and in a novel environment, we have to learn. We have to think differently. We have to consider different models, uh, business, whether that's business models, thinking models. You talked about having a growth mindset. It's about being curious, asking questions, and fostering an environment where that's safe, that's experienced learner. 
third is the tension between preparedness and risk taking. So the first thing, very often, again, when tensions hit, the first thing many leaders do is they get defensive. And in getting defensive, they're focusing on loss avoidance. And you don't win games by playing defense. You don't score. You have to go on offense. Risk taking is part of the business. And when you do that, you're placing a bet. But at the same time, you want to do that smartly. People talk about small experiments, failing fast and learning. <laughs> at the same time, it's important to be prepared. Part of being prepared is being risk aware, not looking at single risks, but looking at how risks interact, as we're seeing today between supply chain, fuel prices, Ukraine, the economy, all these things interact. And uh, there's a term they were tossing around at uh, the World Economic Forum. They talked about polycrises, that it's not just one, it's multiple. So part of being prepared is being aware of that. The second thing is having a higher state of readiness, being a more nimble organization, taking some basic, easy steps, better communications, being more transparent, fostering a adaptability. All of those things help an organization maintain and ensure a better posture of preparedness. Fourth is the tension between strategy and execution or strategy and operations. The thing that's interesting here, again, when there's pressure and all of a sudden things get urgent, leaders focus on the here and now. And it doesn't mean they shouldn't but that shouldn't be their only focus. If you're only focusing on the short term, you're leaving yourself vulnerable to things that can happen in the long term. A perfect example of this is when on, what went on with airlines when COVID hit. Airlines cut to the bone. Many of them terminated employees. They mothballed their planes. And one particular difference was Ed Bastion, the CEO of Delta. He came out a couple of weeks into the pandemic and he highlighted to employees that we have three priorities. The first one is we're gonna protect our employees and our customers, their safety is paramount. Two, we need to protect cash. The third thing he said is something most leaders did not say, and that is we need to protect our future. So not doing things in the short term that would impair long, their long-term, their future. They knew, you know, eventually think they were gonna come out of this and they didn't wanna be limping when they did. So it's balancing those short and long-term things, being aware of implications both ways. <clears throat> the fifth superpower is really around the tension between accountability and collaboration. Again, very often people say, well, I can't hold the team accountable. I need to focus on who do I point at? Who do I blame? And in today's world, with all of the complexity, the volatility, accelerating change, you name it, most things can't be done by a single person. They require working across the organization, different functions. They also require <clears throat> working with other parties in your ecosystem, your suppliers, your partners, your distributors, the communities you're in. 
and the, when we're looking at accountability, it's focusing on outcomes. Is that team going to achieve the outcome, deliver the value that they're supposed to? Not looking at inputs or activities because the team has the autonomy to figure that out and they're trusted to do so. But at the same time, the team is accountable for those outcomes. Perfect example of that, if you think about the recent World Cup, you know, what was important to the team is winning games, scoring goals. Nobody's worried who has the ball more, who kicked it, who kicked it the farthest. You know, those are all inputs. But what matters is does the team score? And they do that by how they work together, how they collaborate. People take on different roles at different times. People can switch in and out depending on the needs. So that's accountable collaborator. So again, present futurist, experienced learner, prepared risk taker, strategic executor, and accountable collaborator. Those are all great. And I love how you've captured the tensions because these are these are not new. The tensions have been around for a long time, but it's being able to understand how you handle both of them and how you pivot your attention from one to the other and back again that I think you've captured so well. You know, I think in just taking your first one, a present futurist, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people, you know, leaders or executives who, who are so focused on today. They, there's a lot of activity, but they never get to a better tomorrow because they don't quite know where to go. Or they're so caught up in where they're going to go and that they're the great visionary, but they aren't building the capacity today in order to get there. So they, you know, they, they never quite have enough gas to uh, to achieve that vision. And so I think it's, I mean, we talk a lot about that at the MPLI of, of being able to, yes, make sure be, today's being taken care of and be anticipating what's coming next. And I think that that both and is so uh, central to everything you just said is important for people to remember. When you're looking at a situation, am I thinking either or, or am I thinking both and, will give you a much better outcome. Now, again, as I mentioned, these tensions have been around for a long time, but I think you crystallized the approach to solving them so well. What led you to these insights? How did you get there? So it, it was interesting. Uh, my background has always been in the area of strategy and execution. And a lot of times organization leaders, decision making, don't get enough attention. And as we were in the midst of COVID, it kind of crystallized for me because <clears throat> leaders, what they were doing wasn't working. There was clearly a gap. And you could do all the best practices around strategy, around leadership, around operations. Something still was missing. And that's when I started thinking about why are leaders unprepared? Why are they unaware? And it's typically because they're not managing those very tensions I talked about. So as I started thinking through that, how do they need to be more aware? It's not just aware of the future, it's about seeing things differently today from a customer perspective, from an employee perspective. And so it, both being present and future and that kind of coalesce there. It's similar with experience and learning. You know, there was so much going on about people saying, I can't wait for things to go back to the way they were. This worked before, so let's try it again. And oh, if it doesn't work, we're going to double down and we're going to try harder. Well, that wasn't cutting it. These were novel things we had never experienced before, and they required novel thinking and learning. And leaders being 
vulnerable enough to say, I don't know. I don't have the answers, but we together can figure it out. We can learn and we'll get this done. Strategic executor actually came next. My background, going back to strategy management, my work with Dave Norton and Bob Kaplan with Balance Scorecard, we always talked about the tension between strategy and execution. And you can't talk about one without talking about the other. They go hand in hand. Then I kind of pause. I'm like, okay, I got three. Something's still missing. And literally, I was out for a walk. And I'm thinking, you know, we keep on talking about preparedness. Preparedness being so important. Nobody could have been prepared for COVID. But companies could have been better prepared. And at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, You don't win by playing defense. Companies are focusing on loss avoidance. They're not looking for opportunities. They're not looking for growth. And I toyed with prepared risk management. I'm saying, no, it's not really about managing risk. Businesses now need to take risks because things are different. They need to try new things. And that's where prepared risk taker came from. And the last one I came up with was around accountable collaborators. And this whole tension between, do I have a single point of accountability, one individual, or is it a team having to work cross-functionally? And that became very clear to me. So then I said to myself, okay, am I missing anything else? So I started thinking about other paradoxes that are out there, like being a global localist, for example, or a tech-savvy humanist. Strategy and business has, has talked about some of these. And I said, yeah, th- those are true, and they need to be both and, but they're not unique to disruption and uncertainty. And they can easily be covered under the umbrella of the other five superpowers. And people, you know, questioned me, you know, what about this? What about that? And I always came back to what's missing when it comes to disruption and uncertainty. Doesn't mean the other ones aren't true. They were true before, they're still true. But this was like an overarching construct. It was a set of capabilities that don't negate other core leadership capabilities. But this was an overlay that leaders needed to have if they're going to thrive in disruption and uncertainty. That's great. You, you've hinted at some of this, but I'm going to ask, ask you to be explicit. Given, given that at the MPLI, a lot of what we deal with are, are leaders in the midst of crisis. Um, how do you see these partic- playing out in particular in that crisis situation when, as you mentioned earlier, things are urgent, when lives may be on the line, reputations are certainly on the line. How can these five superpowers help you navigate that navigate that really treacherous terrain? So they come into play in a couple of places. I think, first of all, up front, that if you have these superpowers, very often you can avoid the crisis. You can steer around it. You kind of see what's coming. Uh, you know, you and I have spoken before about big C crisis, something like a COVID or Hurricane Katrina, the Boston Marathon bombing. And there's also a small C crisis. Well, a competitor comes up with a new product that makes yours less relevant or you lose a major customer. So <clears throat> I think first is, can I avoid it? Do I see it? If I see it sooner, I can act faster. <clears throat> Second, once you're in the midst of it, 
it's how you think about it. You know, it's training your mind a little bit to say, okay, what don't I know about now? What do I need to understand? You can't just look at one dimension. How is it going to impact other things? I need to be cognizant of that. So it's taking a more robust view. At the same time, it's saying, okay, I need to think about how this may play out. What are secondary and tertiary impacts that I need to be aware of? Maybe I can get ahead of those. It's having an environment where it's okay for leaders not to have the answers. That's always been the expectation. But if you have the mindset that the organization can learn, we're smart people, I have a good team, we can figure this out. We need to ask the right questions. We need to probe. And I think that helps a leader feel like they're a little more in control. So something I often say, when you're faced with a crisis, you can be a captain or a captive. A captain takes the helm. A captain knows what needs to get done in terms of this is the outcome we're going for. They know what's most important. And they take agency. And that agency can be by asking questions. That agency can be by more clear communications. On the other hand, leaders who throw up their hands and say, oh my God, I don't know what to do. I don't have a clue. This is completely out of my control. Well, captives don't do so well in the bottom of the boat. You then become at the mercy of the circumstances of the waves you're facing. And they can't see anything further. So, you know, it's having that mindset. There's always stuff you can control. You can't control everything, but it's being able to recognize what can I impact? What can I work with my people on? And what do I have to adapt to because I can't control it? There's always some element. And, you know, being able to recognize that. You know, I saw a quote one time, we don't get to control our circumstances. We do get to control how we respond. And the superpowers help you do just that. Yeah, I think it's so wise that you just said, and I know I've talked often about giving people islands of certainty amidst the chaos, because it gets a place to put their feet. And you're right, there are things you can control. You can control how you show up that they can count on you and you you have their backs. You can reassert your values, your core operating principles that you're going to hold on to and they're, they're not going to change. You could even, as you, as you said, just simply say that we've got a really smart team here. I'm confident we can figure this out. That can, again, give people some certainty amidst the, the, the turbulence. And so, uh, you know, knowing where to put, to put down those anchors, as it were, we're going to belabor this, this ship metaphor too much, I think, but um, <laughs> knowing where to put down the anchors um, if you're the captain um, to get you where you want to go. It, it's, uh, is, uh, it is so, so important. And you're right. You always have, you can always re, re, you always have some control over your response to any, to any circumstance. One of the things I just want to add, the fact that you're moving, the fact, you know, someone who's a captain has taken yeah. action. Right. Action is generally better than no action. People associate no action being with no risk. Well, that's not true because no action can be very dangerous. 
I mean, if you think about, uh, you know, a cruise ship, if you remember a few years back, there was a cruise ship, I think it was off of Italy or Greece, that kind of toppled over sideways. Well, the reason it toppled over was it had no power. It had no motion because, it, you know, it couldn't run the stabilizers, the engines were shot. And when you're not moving, you're at the mercy of the waves. And as the tide was going back and forth, the ship flipped. Had it been running and moving, it could steer into the waves, the stabilizers would work. It's the same thing with a company. You know, if you throw your hands up, you're at the mercy of, of the circumstances around you. And you don't want to be that way. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think, again, we see this so much it, both in the corporate world as well as in the, in the government space. I mean, we've seen agencies in the U.S. government uh, through COVID and other disasters who don't seem to be able to find those stabilizers, don't seem to know where to steer, and they they give up or they flounder. And then uh, it, things don't get better when you're not trying to take positive action. Yeah. Absolutely. So you know, we've talked a lot about outcomes here. How does embracing paradox improve outcomes? How do you actually get to that better place? So I think, first of all, it, it's being more open-minded. I mean, we're seeing many successes. I mean, if, if we, we just go back a little bit, you could have something cheap or you could have great quality. You can't have both. Well, we proved that wrong. And companies who are doing that are doing well. Amazon on their Amazon Prime vehicles, it says pick two, low prices, fast delivering. So it, it's a recognition this is possible. It's also, you know, when you think about this both end thinking, each side cancels out the negative of the other. So when you're thinking either or, you're looking narrowly. And if we think about accountability and caring, you can do both because caring builds that environment, that psychological safety. And accountability means you still have a responsibility to deliver results. If all I do is care and I don't hold people accountable, nothing gets done. If all I do is focus on accountability and I don't care, that's not really a work environment most people want to work in. Now, if you bring them together, the negatives of each are offset by the two coming together. And it's, it's having that mindset. It's recognizing that you know there's a third way. It's not left or right. It's something that takes both into account. Now, now the thing that's interesting here, it's not a negotiation. It's not, you know, if you think about yin, yin and yang, you have black and white coexisting together. There is no gray. It's black and white together. Because when you work in gray, you're giving up on both sides. You're sub-optimizing. You're not being creative. And you want that innovation. You want that creativity. And I think that's when you get some really neat solutions. No, absolutely. And I think this, and I, I think the the either or thinking, I don't know the root of it, but it's so deeply ingrained in our thinking that we tend to accept it. When someone presents a choice I've written about uh, getting beyond the, the tyranny of binary choices, that uh, because it's, it comes so naturally to us, and I'm not sure if it's because we have a, you know, a 
many thousands of years of protagonist antagonist in our stories or or where it comes from but 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 it is something we, we have accept on its surface at least in western culture i think in eastern cultures it's much less so and, and they're much more aware of the holding two truths and, and how that that could be done and i think it is it is transformative as you say when you begin to realize that putting it together in this way actually negates the negatives of both i mean what a beautiful thought that is well, and the thing that's interesting, you know, we probably all face this a little bit as a child when your parents say you can have this or you can have that. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I'm like, no, I want both. No, you have to pick. <laughs> well, right. Life, you know, life is not just about picking. And, you know, I think as, as kids, we kind of knew that intuitively. But then that choice is kind of built up as we go through school, you have to pick a major, you have to pick a career. And now it's much more fluid. You're not locked in because things change, you have to adapt. And it does become more of a both and world. That's right. Just don't put the hot dogs into the ice cream. Okay. Have them in <laughs> make sure you sequence those, let the both thinking. So how can leaders begin developing and deploying these superpowers themselves? So I think, first of all, just by becoming aware, some of the things that I've talked about, you know, present, futurist, start thinking about, okay, so what don't I know about the present? I think it's about asking questions. It's about looking at things from different perspectives. So I think taking that and internalizing it and saying, okay, so how do I get smarter about the present? How do, you know, who, where should I be looking to get a better sense of what's going on in the future and having foresight? Uh, Amy Webb is a great example of that. She has a, you know, a lot of information. I'll never forget one of the things she said uh, during COVID. It was during a presentation. And, you know, she said people are coming up with all these great ideas about the future, online learning, school remote. You know, is this something that's going to last over the long term? And she said, well, you have to ask the question, what would need to be true for that to happen? So it's just thinking differently. Um, you know, when it comes to experience and learning, you know, if you think back when we were kids, that's when we asked the most questions. It was okay to not know. Questions were good unless you asked too many and your parents got a little annoyed, but... <clears throat> that's how you learned. And we kind of lost a lot of that curiosity as we grew up because we were supposed to have the answers. If you said you didn't know or you asked too many questions, that was seen as bad. Now that's important because things are new, things are different. We have to learn throughout our lives. You know, I've, I've said to clients, you know, I don't know all the answers, but with you, by asking the right questions, we'll figure it out together. So it, it's just that recognition and getting more comfortable, you know, bringing out that curious child a little bit. And, you know, people looking at, well, why do I keep on getting caught off guard? What can I do differently? You know, where does preparation come in? Uh, you know, a lot of times people say, oh, I don't wanna do that. It's gonna cost too much money, what's the return? Well, you know, What's your return on the fire extinguisher in your house? When you need it, it's pretty high. You know, we have smoke detectors, car carbon monoxide detectors. Well, what's the parallel 
inside a company in terms of being prepared, in terms of being ready. And recognizing, yeah, I'll say to folks, you know, preparedness and resilience, which is really what the superpowers helps you get, is insurance against disruption and uncertainty, only better because you're building capability. And insurance only covers certain named events. What about everything else? Insurance doesn't cover a competitive change. Insurance doesn't cover something breaking down in your supply chain. But preparedness and resilience can help you weather those things. And having the superpowers can help you see and weather those things and make decisions differently. So I, I think there's a lot individuals can do in terms of just being more aware and asking questions. Now, the other thing too is leaders should realize they don't have to do this themselves. You know, having a facilitator, somebody, you know, in their community, a professional facilitator who can come in and ask those tough questions. Because people might not be comfortable challenging each other. And you have to break that down. You have to build, build up that safety. But having a third party in can help as well. You know, I think that's, that's so true. And I think that people need to realize that given the exponential growth of knowledge in the world, in every subject we are, we are learning more and more, there's no way anybody can know it all, right? It's just beyond our capacity to know it all. I was just, uh, this will be broadcast in a couple of weeks, but as I, over this past weekend, I was reading an article about the upcoming football games, the conference championships that were just played. And there were so many new statistics and so much new jargon. As I read this article, I felt like I had never watched this game before. <laughs> I've been watching it my entire life, but I was completely, I couldn't, I was baffled by everything in front of me. It's because again, the understanding had, has come so, so far forward that it's really hard to keep up. And, and that's, that's a sporting event, which has a little consequence to me in my life. Imagine the things that actually relate to your, to your business, to the work you do every day. Uh, it's just impossible to keep up. So again, that ability to remain curious, to be open, to be a, a lifelong learner. And as uh, my friend Kenneth Mickelson had said, life-wide and life-deep learner, uh, <laughs> in addition to lifelong, that it is so important. So let me ask you my final question. I ask all of my guests, this will give you a great chance to expound on, on curiosity and other things. We live in a very turbulent world. You and I both work in the world of leading through turbulence. What gives you hope? So I think, it's just the awareness that people are having now, having gone through a global experience like COVID and seeing how the broad impacts. And, you know, we're not going from one crisis and then things are stable. It's the recognition that others are happening. And you're starting to hear it in the press. McKinsey and Bain recently did studies and talking about preparedness and resilience. And McKinsey showed that companies have a higher above peer return. So people are starting to say, this is worth it too. Uh, you know, this will prevent me from bailing. This will prevent people from getting hurt. And it's recognizing we have agency. You know, we made it through COVID. We figure things out. It might have been ugly or bumpy along the way, but just that human capability, the will to take that captainship. I mean, you look at Ukraine and you look at uh, President Zelensky, you know, 
I would say he has a lot of the superpowers in terms of how he's rallied his country, uh, you know, and how he not just thinking short term, but how do I preserve Ukraine as it was? How do I preserve the spirit and what we stand for? Uh, you know, conversely, I'd say Putin is lacking a lot of the superpowers. I don't think he's thinking long term about the future. What is this going to look like to the rest of civilization? So it's those examples. It's seeing those successes, seeing in conversations I'm having with colleagues, they're like, you know, that makes sense. You know, I see how that works. And I think that starts to snowball. Every change takes time. There's always a lot of resistance in the beginning. And I'm starting to see more and more people pay attention to it. You know, at the beginning of COVID, when I talked about preparedness, people like, I don't have time for that. You know, I need to deal with today. Welcome I, to my world. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, I don't have time. Well, the first time somebody said that to me, I stepped back and said, okay, so when you say you don't have time, you're saying you can afford the risk and the dangers of not doing something. And it's reminding people of that because they don't think about that explicitly. And I think it's our job to make them more aware that if they don't prepare, what's the risk? And it can be existential. And just knowing that can get you off the mark and say, okay, well, no, that's not good. I have to do something about it. I think it's boards realizing that it's not just about next quarter's numbers, but boards have a fiduciary responsibility. Look at the long-term sustainable value of the organization. And it's that long view that shows how important it is because if we're not paying attention, we might not make it into the long view. Jay, it's a great way to end our conversation. That certainly gives me hope listening to you talk about it. Uh, listeners, my guest today has been Jay Weiser of Jay Weiser Consulting. You can find out more about him, his practice, and the five leadership superpowers at jayweiser.com. Jay, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. To all of our listeners, always be ready for your Urit moment. Take care. This has been another episode of Leader Readycast from the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative. Subscribe to Leader ReadyCast wherever you get your favorite podcasts and find out more about us at npli.sph.harvard.edu. Follow us on Twitter at HarvardNPLI. Thanks for listening and be ready to lead.